0: And current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. You'll know that it is always fascinating to learn about the Jewish background to the New Testament. It's sometimes lost on today's Christian believers that the New Testament was written in the first century and reflects the culture of the first century. Even more deeply, some of the New Testament was written for the Greeks or for the Romans, reflecting those things that may be quite uniquely Jewish. After all, Jesus was a Jew and his ministry was first to the Jews. And that's why it's fascinating to talk to people who are students of biblical culture to understand more deeply the actions and teachings of Jesus the Messiah. Well, Paul Cohen lived in Israel, studied in a Jewish theological college in Jerusalem. Now he lives in Australia and is the teaching elder at Brit Hadashah, the Messianic Fellowship in Sydney. And Paul's joining us. Paul, welcome along to 2020.
1: Thank you very much. It's much appreciated.
0: Paul, uh, just a little about you. You met your wife, Sue, and uh, mm-hmm. she first became a believer in Jesus, and uh, that was the catalyst uh, for you converting to Christianity. Give us a little insight here.
1: Well, Sue and I met in Israel, and she came from a Christian background that had rejected it and wondered in Israel whether jesus really had walked there and so she asked for a bible and started to believe there and then and she started to talk to me about this jesus and i said no no no, i have god you can keep jesus to yourself but i was interested in the dialogue and so i continued to dialogue with her and two years later finally it dawned on me that he is indeed the only messiah and it wasn't because i was so smart it was that the holy spirit opened my eyes But it all started back in Israel, in the land of the the Bible, where Jesus walked and talked.
0: And of course, for Jewish people in Israel, they reject the New Testament. They reject Jesus as Messiah. And so for you to have that revelation that you would no doubt say that's what it was, uh, that was something for you that was quite stunning at the time.
1: Yeah, I would not have accepted Jesus, I think, if it had been uh, from somebody else. Or reading through the New Testament, it became really obvious that he was the only Messiah. But Messianic prophecy in the Old Testament, the prophecies about the Messiah, are not very often taught, and certainly not in the synagogue and in a Jewish setting. So we don't know much about him. And so to hear that Jesus is the Messiah is just... Out of hand, rejected immediately. And it's not until we engage in dialogue that people will slowly engage and open their eyes. And God willing, some of them accept Jesus.
0: Well, you've got a wonderful ministry as a teaching elder in Sydney. And I wonder whether we might just change our focus. Uh, For listeners who are listening to our conversation today saying, what is it that Paul Cohen is going to be able to say is something that, as we reflect on the contrast between what we understand about the faith of the New Testament and what we do today as Christian believers in Australia, I wonder what you can say is something that maybe we're not getting quite right. Now, I know you like to focus on issues around some of the Jewish feasts, like the Passover. Mm. That one is particularly important, isn't it, uh, so far as our understanding of of who we are as Christian believers?
1: That's exactly right. The Feast of Passover is the most mentioned feast in all of Scripture, uh, 50 times in the Old Testament, 27 times in the New Testament. So this is a feast that should be, as Bible believers, really familiar to us. And so when Paul writes about that in the First Corinthians letter in chapter 5, it it should immediately bring to mind all the other passages and Leviticus 23 or Numbers 28, Deuteronomy 16, but often it doesn't. And we miss out on the biblical background. Now, the way Jesus celebrated is very much new century or first century. And he adds elements in it that Moses wouldn't have done, but it, it, comes to that complete picture when we get to the writings of Paul. And in 1 Corinthians 5, 6, he says, you boasting is no good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump Although Initially, you think, well, leaven, that's a symbol of false teaching. So he's talking about false teaching. And in verse 7, he continues, Clean out the old leaven so that you might be a new lump. So he's now talking about personally accepted false teaching just as you are, in fact, unleavened. And that's one of the feasts, the unleavened bread, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Then he says, for Christ our Passover also has been sacrificed. Now he definitely ties it into those two feasts. And the next thing then he says, let us therefore celebrate or keep the feast. Now most of us have not celebrated the Feast of Passover, and it's a great pity because We miss that connection of Jesus the Passover lamb, and the redemption that he brought from Exodus 12, or that lamb that is brought forward in Isaiah 53 to us. But the New Testament, in various places, mentions Jesus as a lamb, and
0: that is based on these passages in the Old Testament. So, Paul, when we understand uh, this passage, uh, a lot of Christians will say "But we do celebrate Easter, Jesus' death on the cross, his resurrection, and that was at the time of the Passover, or we will have a communion meal in our church as often as we might gather together. So we might say that we do, in fact, uh, acknowledge that, but is there something deeper in here, the actual feast of the passover that we perhaps can glean more deep things from
1: and i think there is because when we celebrate communion we often set aside in many churches oh, well 10 12 minutes and then we're on to the next thing and whatever sermon is preached but the passover is a meal where you sit together and you deal with all of the passages together from the old testament out as a believer in the new testament and in believer in jesus I include, obviously, New Testament references, too. And it shows us that Messiah is the Lamb before the fa- slain before the foundation of the world. And right back to Genesis, we can then start looking at these prophecies and remembering them. And when we do Easter, which I don't mind if people do, but we often don't focus on the central issue of Jesus the Lamb. Now, we do focus on his death and resurrection, and I say amen to that. But there are also some congregations that have added other bits in it that are not so biblical, and I'm saying to people, celebrate Jesus, keep your eyes on Jesus, as the author of Hebrews says, so that we may know that he is our Passover who's been sacrificed for us.
0: I suspect you're not saying that the celebration of the feast would be something that's legalistic, that you'd do as a religious observance that assures your salvation. But I think what you're saying is that in there is the richness of what it is to know Jesus, the Passover lamb, and that by going through the sort of celebratory context that the Jewish people might celebrate, there is a deeper understanding of who the Messiah is. Is that what you're saying?
1: That's exactly right. Now, Christ is the fulfillment of the law, and the law came to an end when he died on the cross. And so we're not legally obliged to keep it, but we have the freedom to observe some of it. Now, obviously, we, we don't bring lambs to church and slaughter that. God forbid that we should do that. But the more we understand and engage with the more biblical information we receive and the more we can see Jesus in the whole of Scripture. Now, must Christians celebrate the feast? No. But do I encourage them, like the apostle, to celebrate the feast? Absolutely, because they will see Jesus in it.
0: And so uh, some would say, well, if you observe and celebrate one feast, why don't you celebrate all the feasts? And uh, I imagine it's the similar sort of thing. There are lessons to be learned and deeper understandings to be gleaned, uh, but they're not necessarily something in a legalistic context that you must say is a part of religious life.
1: No, so we have the freedom. So, for instance, if we look at all the feasts, and if you look at Leviticus 23, Numbers 28 and 29 would be those two or three chapters that are really the background to this. One of them is the Feast of Trumpets. Now, Yom Tuwa in the Bible, or Rosh Hashanah in modern Hebrew, that would be easy to uh, celebrate or to observe because all of this is blowing the horn. But the next one is the Day of Atonement. Or you would need a temple for that and a priest. And Jesus is our high priest, so we, we cannot... Observe that in a biblical sense, we do that through the lens of the New Testament and acknowledge that he is both our sacrifice and our high priest, as the book of Hebrews so beautifully brings out.
0: Paul, let's spend a moment just reflecting on the Jewish community in Australia and those who would be Messianic, and because you're a teaching elder at the Brit Hadassah Messianic Fellowship in Sydney, uh, is the Messianic movement in Australia growing? Give us a little insight here into uh, the sort of response that Jewish people have uh, to Jesus as Messiah.
1: Well, every year Jewish believers, the number is growing. Every year new Jewish believers are added, but they are small in number, I have to be honest. Uh, It's not a ministry that at the moment is uh, winning uh, the prize, that's for sure. But we didn't expect that. Uh, One day we will go out of business, that's true. All Israel will be saved one day, but when that happens, it's when the Lord Jesus comes back. So until then, there's a smaller number of those who have become believers in Jesus.
0: But this this extra benefit, isn't there? Not only are you interested in helping to inform Jewish people of Jesus the Messiah, but the opportunity to be able to enlarge the understanding of Christian believers about these Jewish foundations. And that in itself is so valuable.
1: In The book of uh, Ephesians in chapters 2 and 3, Paul says that all believers are equal and that in the body of Messiah, in the body of Christ, there is neither Jew nor Gentile. And so we are equal. So in that sense, I believe that our ministry should touch Jews and Gentiles. And in my own case, I became a believer because of a Gentile. And so I'm grateful to the Gentiles who are faithfully preaching and proclaiming the gospel. uh, We could not exist without them. But at the same time, we must not forget our Jewish brothers and sisters who are out there, who are lost. Uh, God has placed the veil over their eyes nationally, but individuals do get saved. And so we need to pray for them, that God will open their eyes Because when they all come to faith, what a day of blessing that will be.
0: Well, Paul, great insights today. Thank you so much for taking some time to share these thoughts with listeners around the Passover and around this different and deeper understanding that you can have when you have a Jewish view of how that New Testament in that first hundred years, when the availability of the New Testament came to light, Paul Cohen is the teaching elder at Brit Hadassah Messianic Fellowship in Sydney. There is a website you can go to to connect with Paul. It's bcsydney.com, bcsydney.com. And there's another website called celebratemessiah.com.au. Paul Cohen, thanks so much for sharing your thoughts with us today on 2020.
1: It's my pleasure. Thank you, Neil.